Through all of this, we can glean and say that the Lord will reveal to us all the things that we need to know, even the heavenly ones, if we have the right heart, if we are doing what pleases Him. That's the bottom line. The Lord will allow us through the guidance and instruction of the Holy Spirit to know and understand both what we need to understand here and now and more critical future things to come which are most important. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the disposition of the heart. We're all different people with different intentions and different goals in life. We all look for different things. But these things that we seek after are not predetermined in our lives. There is such a thing as free will. God has granted to each and every one of us the right to choose. But the thing that finally determines what we really want to do with our life is the disposition of our heart. God calls every person to salvation, but it is up to a person to choose to accept or not accept God's word. Today's message is inspired on Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Blessing and honor and praise be to you forever and ever. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus for your forgiveness and for your mercy and for your grace. Heavenly Father, Holy God, I depend on you, O Lord, on your goodness, O God. Please always remember us in your mercy. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please, God, guide us through your Holy Spirit, the truth that is your word, and help us to accept that word as truth. Help us to have an open heart, Lord God. Help us to be able to take in your word as the truth that it is, so that we can gain the benefit that you would like for us to gain. Help us, O Lord, to understand, Lord God, that it all depends on how we accept your word in our lives. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. This is the word of the Lord. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones in the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those when they have heard to go and are choked out with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. 
But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. One question that may come up while reading this passage is, why would the Lord speak clearly to some people and in parables to others? It seems unfair. And if we know that the Lord is fair and just, and more than that, he is even good, we would understand that there must be more to things than we read in this portion of scripture. And here's with something that we must always keep in mind when studying the word of God. And that is that the revelation of God through his word comes by seeing it as a whole rather than by bits and pieces alone. That's why we must be very careful at seeing something as biblical truth if it's not supported by the rest of the scriptures. The word will always support itself throughout if it's an established truth and or part of sound doctrine. And this leads us straight to the point of why the Lord would make this distinction between the disciples and the crowds. There was a heart problem. Even though the masses would seem like they were following the Lord, their intentions for following him were not genuine, or rather they would look for the Lord, but with a hidden personal agenda. There were ulterior motives. For instance, we read this in John chapter two about the groups of people that would seemingly follow the Lord, where it says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. We read in another part of the Bible where something was expected of the Lord, but with evil intentions, and the Lord did not cooperate with that either. In Luke chapter 23, we read this. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. So you see, anyone who didn't know better would have said, why didn't Jesus answer Herod? Because he was even happy to see Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Jesus didn't do miracles and wonders everywhere. He limited his manifestation to places and with people that were willing to believe where there was true faith. In Matthew chapter 13, we read this when he was in Nazareth. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so the Lord, not only did he preach in parables where there was ulterior motives, but he also didn't give answers and he didn't do miracles or mighty works where there was a lack of faith or an unwillingness to accept him. We always need to remember that God is God and that he knows everything, that he is no fool, and that as such, he is worthy and sovereign. God is good, but he cannot sacrifice his position and dignity as God, especially when it involves other people's 
disingenuous intentions. I cannot stress this enough. God is God. So then the Lord was clear with the disciples because they had not only believed in him, but they had made decisions to follow him, to serve him. They had left everything they had to be with him. When Jesus asked them to follow, they did go after him. These are the main differences between those that he preached to in parables and those that he revealed his truths to. Now the parables that the Lord spoke were not meant to stay as mysteries, and that's why he revealed them. What Jesus would do with parables, or how he told them, was to help people understand the spiritual things through earthly, everyday occurrences. So this parable of the sower of seeds does have a lot to look at and take in. Just like Jesus explained, the seed is the word of God and the people are the places where the seed lands. And the different conditions like the wayside, the rock, the thorns, and the good ground are different kinds of people, all dictated by where their heart is when they are exposed to the word of God. That's what we gather through the Lord's explanation. Now, we can further elaborate on each of the conditions, but the bottom line is that those conditions are not predetermined, but rather it's how a person chooses to have their heart be when receiving the word of God. That's why he said and continues saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's all about the disposition of a person's heart when they are exposed to God's truth. Like for instance, the people by the wayside are those that are just too impenetrable. They're exposed to the word and they simply have no interest. They're in a place where there is no attraction to God. They don't have any desire to turn away from their sins. And that's why the devil comes and takes away the word or just drowns out with worldly things, with whatever they are into and attracted to so that nothing happens within the person. But one thing we do need to clarify with this, and that is that the devil cannot make anyone do anything. We as people always have free will. God will rarely force anyone, and the devil cannot force anyone to do anything. So the only way the devil can come and take away the seed of the word is because a person has rejected it out of their own free will. And they need to keep in mind that they will be held accountable for being exposed to the truth in the judgment. If they never allow for God's word to come into their lives and do what is intended to do to transform their lives, and they stand before the Lord on judgment day, God will hold them accountable for rejecting the truth. And of course, if there is no justification by the Lord Jesus Christ, because the person never made that decision, they will be sentenced to spend eternity away from God. There is always an accountability for the word of God, no matter what the person's disposition is. This is what the word says in John chapter three, verse 36. He who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The second type of person or the one on the rock are those people who receive God's words in a superficial and intellectual manner, but they don't take it in. The word doesn't become a part of them. They academically understand it and something does happen in their lives, but it is short-lived because there is no root. A person must accept God's truth in their heart. There can't just be an intellectual understanding. And sooner or later, because God's word is not taken seriously and genuinely, the moment they start facing some sort of hardship or just a passage of time, whatever they believed will just fade away. At one moment, they will say they believe, and at another moment, they will abandon their faith. 
Their preconceived notions or their own belief system, what is symbolized by the rock, will make the word of God fade away in their lives. And of course, there is no salvation. And without salvation, there can be no justification on Judgment Day. And they will also be held accountable for letting the word of God fade away in their lives. The scriptures say that it would have been better for some people to have never to have known the truth because there is a greater liability. They had the answer, but they chose to give it away. The third type of person or the ones where the word falls among the thorns is the person that attempts to walk on two paths at the same time, the path that leads to the Lord and the world. These are the people that allow for the word to come into their lives, but their love for the world is greater. They assign a higher value to this temporary world and whatever is in it than to what God says. The Bible refers to these people as being lukewarm. They are neither hot nor cold. And this is what it says. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so a person cannot be lukewarm if they want to enter the kingdom of God, if they truly want eternal life. A person cannot serve two masters. With the Lord, it's an all or nothing proposition. A person cannot say that they love the Lord halfway. The Lord is very clear on this issue of a person professing to have faith in him and yet have such inclinations to the world. For instance, the word says in James chapter four, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The issue with having these inclinations for the things and cares of the world are twofold, that it represents idolatry, and that also if a person is so focused on the things that are in this world, that they will always be more focused on the temporary and superficial. All their decisions will be short-sighted, always thinking about the here and now. On the issue of idolatry, God says that he is a jealous God. He cannot tolerate taking second place in our lives. It is necessary that he have first place and for many reasons. He should be first because in order to please him, he needs to be first. Secondly, and from a very practical point of view, we owe everything to him from our existence to our continued survival and of course to the salvation of our souls through the death and resurrection of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only fair to give him first place. And also, if we don't give him that first place, we will always make bad decisions because our decisions will be more in favor of the things in this temporary world than in the heavenly things, than on doing God's will. And quite simply, if we don't do the will of God, of the Father, we will not make it into his kingdom. For it is written, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, why make such an emphasis on this third type of person, on this person where the seeds fall among the thorns? Because this is where most believers are today. There is an incredible world influence in the people of God today. Most believers are focused on the things of the world, most people look for the Lord so they can have the things of the world, like money, prosperity, relationships, and so on. Most people are focused on the here and now than on eternity. There is quite a lot of idolatry today where preeminence and or priority is given to the things of the world rather than to the Lord. The Lord is treated as a second-class citizen or as a servant, 
as anything else except as he what truly is, as he should be treated as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is such a worldly influence today within the universal church of God that most ministers and preachers and teachers are teaching people more about the world than anything else. There are many different doctrines and teachings that are world focused, but make no mistake, God will bring all these things to a head. He will try each and every one of us to the point that we will make a decision either to remain and abide in him or to give up the faith to turn away from him. He has to because he needs to weed out, if you will, what doesn't belong within his church that, that cannot be allowed to enter his kingdom. And the only way to get rid of those that are double-minded or that are given to idolatry, to the things of the world, is by subjecting them to various trials and tribulations. And if a person is set on the temporary world, they will fail. They will abandon the faith. And so they will not be saved. Now, the fourth and final type of person is the person that is good ground. This is where we all need to be if we want to have eternal life, if we want to reap eternal reward with the Lord. And what makes this person different to all the others? Because they take in the word of God with a noble and good heart, because they don't resist the truth of God, because they allow for his word to fully penetrate their lives, because ultimately they don't allow themselves to be overtaken by the things of the world. And this is all choice. They have a willingness to listen, to respect, and to abide by whatever God tells them to do through his word. There is no resistance and a rebellion. It doesn't mean that they are gonna be perfect, but it does mean that they are aiming for the perfection that God the Father is looking for in their lives through the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And this is what allows for them to bear fruit, to render a product, if you will, where they produce for the Lord. Even though salvation is free, God is looking for our lives to render a product, to produce things. The Bible teaches that this fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what it says in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And of course, this fruit of the Spirit in our lives will produce good works. We are supposed to do those things that please God, those things that are in fact very visible and tangible and that are telling of what we truly are. For it is written, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And James chapter two also says this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and the one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And so through all of this, 
We can glean and say that the Lord will reveal to us all the things that we need to know, even the heavenly ones. If we have the right heart, if we are doing what pleases Him, that's the bottom line. The Lord will allow us through the guidance and instruction of the Holy Spirit to know and understand both what we need to understand here and now and more critical future things to come, which are most important. It all depends on where we choose for our hearts to be. Will you choose to be one of those that are impenetrable to his truth or one of those that receive the word of God superficially or one of those that are more focused on the things of the world or one that is open to him, willing to take in his word and apply it to your life so that you can become and do ultimately what pleases God the Father? The decision is yours. I would urge you for your own sake, choose to be open to the Lord, to have a soft heart before him, to ultimately treat Jesus Christ as who he really is, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is something that everyone needs to understand. And that is that we are all given an incredible opportunity where we have everything to gain, especially those things that last forever. God through the Lord Jesus Christ has given us the opportunity, has put well within our reach, eternal life and eternal reward. He can't make it any easier or more clearer. And he has even given this amazing opportunity as a gift or by grace. But even though it's free, it did not become available freely. It cost the life of the only begotten Son of God, of Jesus Christ, where he was born into this world and came to be tortured, beaten, torn, and finally crucified, where he shed up to the last drop of his blood so that we can have our sins forgiven, so we could have eternal life. The breaking of his flesh and the shedding of his blood is what allows for us to have our sins washed away and thereby gives us access to the kingdom of God. But in order to enter that kingdom, we need to come to that place of complete surrender to the Lord. We need to effectively give him our life so that he can guide it and run it. And we need that because that is the only way we will render fruit. The only way we can do those good works that he's looking for. There must be a product, a result from everything he has done for us. For it is written, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created, made, and now saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can do those good works we were made for. But all of this depends on one thing, and one thing alone within us, our part, and that is the disposition of our heart. Things will or will not happen in our lives depending on where our heart is. God is not going to force anyone. He gave us free will, the ability to choose what we want to do, whether to reject his word or to receive it in the proper manner with the right disposition. If we have the right heart before him by repenting and converting from all of our sins, by being humble before him, he will reveal to us all the truth we need to understand so that we can do the things we need to produce, so that we can become what we need to be, so that we can in fact be ready for his kingdom, for the things that are coming after this life. For it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. All things can be possible through the Lord Jesus Christ, but your heart needs to be in the right place so that what the Lord desires to do in you and through you can in fact happen. It's up to you. For your own sake, I would urge you to choose wisely and get your heart in the right place for the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, I praise you and I worship you. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are truly good and merciful, because you give us access to such great things, all because you love us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and thank you for what he did in the cross, because everything that Jesus did is what makes eternal life possible for us. We owe you so much, O Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to be soft before you, that we need to be humble before you, that we need to have a sensitive heart. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to accept your word, take your word into our lives, that we must become one with you, Lord God, one with your word, that we must look to do your will so that we can, in fact, live forever, so that we can gain immortality, and so that we can have the eternal gifts and rewards that you have for those that love you. Because Heavenly Father, only those that love you are the ones that will be allowed to enter your kingdom. Help us, O Lord, to give you that place that you are worthy of, and help us to serve you and follow you as we need to, because of who you are and because of what you have done. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.